obviously important to keep the team together in see that the goal and what we're working towards too because mm. there are long nights everyone is tired mm. you know you, yeah. maybe the, the race driver crashed the car but there's another race the next day so mm. you need to put the the car back together and yeah. you're kind of disheartened so you need to have a strong community keeping that team together that's uh, valuable as well yeah three two one zero Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Engineering Buzzcast. My name is Jacob Primus and I'm joined here today with my good mate and co-host Daniel Hardy. Now our guest today is perfect for all you rev heads out there or anybody who's wanting to learn more about the automotive industry as here in the studio today we have Romy Mayer who's now currently working as a race engineer for 888 Race Engineering. Romy has over 10 years experience in this field with a primary focus on trackside data, performance and race engineering. Originating from Germany, the home of companies such as Mercedes, Porsche and BMW, there she did her thesis with Mercedes-Benz, then moving on to her first ever racing series, the DTM series. She kept the ball rolling, or should I say wheels rolling, in her move to Australia where in the first year she secured second place for her team in the Dunlop Super 2 Championship as well as five podiums and one win in the competitive GT Asia World Challenge. Parallel to her work, she works for the electric vehicle startup Whirl, where she conducts regular analysis on the electric vehicle market for Australia. And just when you thought you couldn't have any more eggs in one basket, she is also the co-founder of the Future Females Gold Coast chapter. So without further ado, Romy, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me. So Romy, give us a quick rundown of the work you do on a weekly basis as a race engineer at 888. And, you know, what are some noticeable projects and stuff you've been working on recently? Yeah, so to be honest, it's not um, the work as a race team or as a race engineer. It's not daily the same work. So it's always very different. There's no day the same than the other. At the moment, uh, we're just um, at the start of the race season. So it's usually very busy. And we have a lot of work for pre-season, which we we always complete before the first race or the first couple races mm. coming along, which means building the race cars and getting ready for the first um, race, as well as making sure all the parts are correctly on the part on the car as well as the sensor itself, the electronic system works, which is um, mm. one big part of my job is just making sure all the sensors on mm. the race car work in mm. electronic um, systems as well as the little computers in the car, they're all up to date. Mm. Okay. So how do you do that? Do you just pl- plug a laptop straight into a car essentially? Right. Or that, that's, it, well, it's, yeah. that's how it it is when we have established a car and it's all up to spec it's Mm. we're confident with all the electronics so Mm. then we can plug into the car with a laptop and a cable and we can access all the computers basically sim what you would do when you plug in a hard drive into your laptop and then you Mm. can see what's on the hard drive so i can see what's on the on the car but it has obviously its little brains everywhere in the car itself so in then we control um, these little computers in the car, we program them, we we decide which um, sensors on the car we want to monitor. We okay. have actually on the racetrack live telemetry, which means right. we can live see from the paddock what's oh. the car doing on the track, right. what's the temperature of the engine, 
what's the tire pressure doing, but also very important for us is, mm. is uh, how the vehicle is behaving on the track. Mm. Like what's the speed, but what's the ride height, what's the springs doing. Mm. So all these little sensors come into the computers, which then get um, conducted to um, math. And okay. then math we're taking out and analyzing. Right. That's, that, that's basically that's further, mm. not further down the track, but it's like that's what we do on the racetrack or like in a, in a port. But obviously yeah. it le- mm. leads up to that with a lot of work around it to make sure it's, it's mm. um, going all well. Okay. So does that, like you said that it converts into math. Does that math then go into like a graphical user interface sort Correct. of thing on the, on the screen yes, to, to exactly. analyze it better? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so right. these um, math channels, we lock them or we have them sent across um, mm. telemetry and we can see them running along the screens and see on which part of the track the car is doing what. Okay. So, and it, yeah, we can obviously mm. make our own little graphs, our own little displays, dashboard, mm. alarms, if right. uh, any parameter goes out of the range or out of the limits. Uh, and that would all, yeah, have our dashboard and we monitor. Right. I think, um, I'm not sure how many channels. We are, we are actually, it's actually limited by the category, mm. how mm. much we can send across live. Okay. Because they don't want to, they want everyone have the same things to look at and mm. not having some teams which might have more resources in engineers have an advantage because they can just yeah, monitor yeah, more yeah. and create more channels. Yeah. So it's, I think, around maybe 100 channels which we can see live. But then after the race car come actually back in the garage, we can mm. access much more of the data and back at wow. the, at the okay. um, office or at a workshop, we yeah. can analyze much more as well. That's awesome. Yeah, so well. that's what I was going to ask as well. So it's not just the engineers analyzing that information or does or do the engineers analyze it and then process it and send it to other people or what goes on there? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically there are a couple engineers which, which is at the moment still also part of my job who are the mm. data and performance engineers. So they're responsible first that all the electronics work, that the sensors are working, that the correct sensors are in the race car fitted. Mm. But then also they would analyze the data from the race cars. Like um, you look at what's the difference between the two cars. Why was that car uh, had a lower ride height than the other Mm. car? Why were the tire pressure higher? And then we feed Mm. this information to the race engineers and the race engineers you, I would call them, they're like the chief engineer of one specific race car. Right, he is okay. responsible or he makes in the end the decision which setting he wants to have on the race car right. and also communicates to the race driver and the mechanics and obviously gives the, the uh, jobs to the mechanics and say, yeah, because right. we think yeah. that spring is better than the other spring, please put that in. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how it then just gets distributed. But also, for example, if you would see there is um, something wrong with the engine, then we would talk to the engine mm. engineer and tell them, oh, we saw that's happening. Right. Can you have a look when the race car is back at a workshop and um, at the engine if it's all correct? So, yes, yeah. there's a couple okay. of engineers who collect the data, analyze them, and then it, the information gets distributed to mm. other engineers, but as well as to the mechanics. And, mm. for example, mechanic in sub-assembly who would then uh, service the gearbox, they need to know what mileage the gearbox had on this specific race event or what kind of... Uh, temperature it's saw the oil does the oil right. needs to be changed and so on yeah okay so i was gonna ask because because on that 
how interdisciplinary is your like role like in the team how many engineers like you got your mechanicals electricals and what, what other sort of engineers are out there on that team yeah it, i mean in motorsport in general depends a lot on which race category you're working in as well as yeah which team you are both mm. so if you work in formula one these teams have 400 engineers working and obviously they are very specific in their field there's a mm. gearbox engineer there's an engine it's like every little um yeah. field divided into a group of engineers but when you would go come to or here in australia even the supercars which are the the most popular and biggest race series here there are some teams they only have a couple engineers maybe two engineers three mm. mechanics a team manager and that's it so obviously right. then these engineers yeah. they take on multiple roles so that mm. might the race engineer might also do the data analysis so mm, it also yeah. depends um yeah where you're at not only the category but also within a category which team mm. you are in in the ones mm. who are have a lot of a bit bigger budget or one which mm. is starting out or it's just like a small hobby team, you know? Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so how much how much pressure is there on the engineers? Because obviously you just said that there's only three engineers per some of the teams. Mm -hmm. Obviously they've got to know a lot of information. Is there mm. is there a lot of pressure on those engineers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's in general a lot of pressure in motorsport, I mm. think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. especially the race categories which are on TV always in the, yeah. in the public eye and that makes it actually also quite, interesting you know yeah mm. he, oh, that's for me I, mm. I like that feeling when i know i need to perform in my role yeah, yeah. you know you cannot make big mistakes mm, you know mm. like and, and they are instant that's what i actually always love and that's what got me into that area that i right away can see if my decision was good or bad yeah. when the, mm, when i say yeah, we yeah. make a change on a race car and the car goes out and do another lap and the <laughs> lap time is fast and it tries driver said oh yeah that feels better that you have the yeah. instant mm. feedback that's um having that confidence in in your knowledge and being able to just a quick smart decision just like that and just being like oh yeah that was the right decision and at the end of the day it probably feels really good doesn't it yeah, yeah yeah it's obviously not just a gut feeling it's science yeah you yeah, need to yeah, look yeah, at the course. numbers yeah. but obviously Sometimes you need to make a call very fast, and that might not be. There is not, and, and obviously there is a lot. There is science behind most of the decision, but you have a lot of circumstances which might even it might be the right decision based on the science. But then it starts to rain, and then yeah, <laughs> and then okay. maybe that tire pressure wasn't the right one, or All the or the other competitor. Um, yeah, did a different fuel strategy and suddenly it's in front of you. You know, it's yeah, okay. um, there's a lot coming into play, mm. which then only if everything goes right, then you win the race. <laughs> <laughs> so just being able to adapt to sort of to the situations that occur is obviously extremely important. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Like um, you need to have your, all your science, all your knowledge, like experience, science, and then reading the circumstances and put it all together. Gosh. Yeah. So oh. this might be a weird question, but what... um. What percent do you reckon of the race is won by the engineers themselves opposed to just the driver? <laughs> um, <laughs> like you've got the driver and then you've got yeah. like the way the car's yeah. set up and everything like that. It's hard to put a percentage because mm. you uh, both wouldn't work without each yeah, other, yeah. obviously. Mm. Because if the engineer makes the wrong decision and puts a different, a wrong spring into the car, which mm. doesn't work, then obviously the car, even a very good race driver, might not win the race. Mm. But on as well, obviously, on the other hand, if you, the race driver isn't that talented or he has a bad day, yeah, have yeah. the best 
the race car which should win, yeah, yeah. it might not win. So it's hard to put a percentage. So it's like a and, bit it's, of both. It's, and yeah, and even throughout the weekend, because you have practice session, you have qualifying and race. Mm. So it's always a development over the weekend, it, both with the engineer and the and the race driver. They give you feedback. Um, how what they feel, but then also you make decisions and leading them into or towards to a better race car for that specific um, situation. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I also want to ask as well because this is obviously called the engineering buzzcast. Yeah. I just want to ask as well. So what are some of the things buzzing in your line of work? Could be innovation, could be opportunities, new breakthroughs in technology just recently, or um, yeah, there's a lot of things happening. In general, in motorsport, obviously, um, overseas, where in Europe or in the US as well, motorsport mm. is a, just a bit bigger because there are more people there and more race teams. But they are going definitely leading towards innovations like um, having electric motor on board or there's even esports happening in, in motorsport. And <laughs> yeah, our yeah. race driver is doing that as well. I'm pretty successful, <laughs> oh, wow. to yeah. be honest. So, What do you think um, of the whole esports scene nowadays? It's interesting as well. I, I yeah. like all the new stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, so I like all. I'm not like, yeah. want to go backwards. I yeah, yeah. just yeah. see where the world goes. And I think it was a very <laughs> cool thing during COVID when we couldn't go actually race. So they mm, just yeah. set up the e-series and that was <laughs> happening for a while. But. Did I they consult you much on that? Like, were they like, oh, is this meant to happen or this is how it would happen? Or like, did they, did they ask you many questions about that? Or? Um, yeah, well, it was more our, the, so the um, category supercars itself, they set up the supercar E-series. Right. They just run it as a broadcast and the race drivers, they would get a, like a simulator sent at home and they would just set it up at home and then had, <laughs> they had it like uh, racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And a camera, and so the engineers were actually not involved. I think. <laughs> no, yeah. we just might have told them, "Oh man, you shouldn't have drawn like that." Or something. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. we didn't do it. He any. can just put his phone on mute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he or she can just yeah, put yeah. their phone on mute. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening in in Europe, um, and as well here in Australia with the supercars. We have um, next year a whole new car coming up, so there will that mm -hmm. will be a game changer as well. Yeah, yeah, the new the new Chevrolet coming out as well, yeah, switching from the oh, Commodores. Yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's very. It's not only a different brand what people would think or the Holden Sagon. Yeah, it's correct. Mm. But for us, it is um, that is the first car we really developed from zero. So nothing is taking over from the current race car mm. to that one, and it will be yeah, it will be very special. And we be having it on the track already at the moment, so it's. Um, Seeing coming it all alive, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. You mentioned previously that Triple Eight has its first race for the season coming up soon, and we have a question from a listener, which is: um, for every race, uh, what are the changes, if any, uh, that are mitigated by the engineers and teams? Like, what changes are made between each race yeah. to the car? Yeah, actually, it's quite a lot. So. I'll um, go back a step and explain how we usually plan ahead of the race, which is um, obviously each racetrack is very different. So there's some racetrack, therefore, like simple say, there's racetrack which have a very long straight, and there are racetrack which have very fast, um, long corners. There are racetracks which are in a city, and they mm. usually have 45 corners, like 
pretty oh, yeah, pretty yeah. stop and go kind of. So obviously mm. the race cars need to be set up very different. For the racetrack with a very long stride, you want to have a car which is fast on a stride, which needs to be aerodynamic, mm. very efficient. While then you have racetrack, which, yeah, the street tracks, um, they need to go faster around the corner. So they need to have more drive out of the corner and stuff like that, if that mm. um, makes sense. So... Mm. You before the race weekend, we go ahead and look at race data from the previous year. So we looked uh, from last year where we were, were we good, were we bad, which corners were we good, which corners were we bad, what were the settings, how did we progress throughout the weekend, how were our competitors, how was the other car in our team, mm. and what kind of changes we made throughout the weekend. We use that data, analyze it, and that's how we start. Um, our race weekend, we say, okay, that all worked last year. Mm. If the weather conditions and the track conditions are similar, we use that as a base. Mm, and okay. then, but then even then, we start with that base and then um, evaluate over the weekend. Yeah. Okay. So the race cars can be very different from racetrack to racetrack. For example, even um, at usually at the end of the season, we have obviously Bathurst, this very uh, famous yeah, yeah. race. So that's a very fast track, we would say. So it has uh, the corners are not tight, they're just flowing and there's a long straight down the mountain. But then the race after is usually Gold Coast and uh, that's uh, yeah. like in the city and it's just like, yeah, 90 degrees corner, stop and go, uh, yeah. and all that. So the race cars are, yeah, totally different. Setup. Yeah, very yeah. different. Yeah, so there's obviously like a lot of redundancy built into those changes. Is that, to making sure that, that redundancy is successful, is, is that just mainly just based off of experience or engineering knowledge or say you get there on the day and, oh, no, it's raining. Like what, what sort of Ooh, things in your yeah. head do you go through that make you go, okay, I've got to change this and I've got to do this? Mm -hmm. Like what sort of things do you prep yourself up in the morning and go, okay, just in case this happens or the night before, even the week before, like yeah. how much preparation goes into that? Yeah, so because most of the time throughout the season, our races are either in um, two or three week cycle. So the week after when we come back from the race, it's usually post event analysis. We like go through the data, we see what mm. worked well and so on. The week, before is then focusing on the next one. And we have mm, the engineering okay. meetings where we not only look at the stuff from last year or from last season, but also look at the weather, see what's going to be like. So we need to, if if we go to mm. Darwin, it's very unlikely it's raining, so we don't need to prepare <laughs> yeah, anything okay. for a wet session. But if we go yeah, to Sydney where we've just been and it was... You could see a Saturday might be dry and then Sunday definitely will be wet. So you need to be ready for both. And you have mm. we have um, software and simulation tools where we can simulate certain settings, certain outcomes, certain grip levels, certain tire pressure. And that gives us like a toolbox where we can work off them. Right, okay. So can, can you use those eSports simulators for that sort of thing? Like, can you be like, okay, let's put rain on this track. I think so. And to be, yeah, they can yeah, do yeah. the, the guy. Well, it doesn't get... As much feedback, more it will help the race driver. Especially we have this year um, a race driver who is Rocky Brockfini. He, for example, has never been to the racetrack in Tasmania where we'll go um, next weekend. Right. So he will use the simulator just to get familiar with that track. Uh, and he, okay. in the simulator, you yeah. can simulate different curb level mm. and some settings, obviously, on the race car as well. Mm. Right, okay, interesting. It's crazy how, like much work and how advanced it is like most people would not no. realize how much like you know like tire pressure for instance like 
most people are just like, oh, yeah, just make sure they've got enough air in them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's yeah. crazy how, how advanced that stuff is and how much analysis goes uh, into yeah. it. Yeah, it's, and yeah, the work and also what kind of jobs are behind the scenes is mm. crazy. If, like, Samuel always say, as an example, I think no, because people usually know there's some engineers making their car fast, mm. but um, we have a um, sticker technician. So there's a guy who makes sure all the stickers on the car are correct and they end up correct <laughs> wow. positions. And when there's a crash, obviously it's damaged, so he needs to re-sticker the thing in the night and stuff. Yeah. And um, to be a new sponsor logo yeah, wow. and he places them correctly. Or, yeah, obviously wow. it also depends how how which part of the car is on a TV a lot. Like, you know, there's some oh, racetrack wow. where they, they really just have a lot of headshots and then some yeah. racetracks it's always the right cor- right side because it's the left um, That's a so corner crazy. with a lot of left corners. So, yeah, there's um, a lot of stuff behind no one ever. Wow. Actually, no one doesn't work in the <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. So if civil doesn't work out or electrical doesn't yeah, work yeah. out, you can always do sticker engineering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's always something for everyone out there, isn't there? That's so crazy. Really. So, also, Romy, so recognizing you grew up in Germany, so the home of Mercedes and Porsche and BMW and all these big car companies, um, what was the background that you had growing up? Like, did that influence you at all? And if so, how did that foster your interest in engineering? Um, yeah, so, well, I'm not from a, like a typical motorsport industry, mm. oh, family, sorry, um, because a lot of people working with me, they actually grown up on a racetrack kind of so the dad or the brother or the cousin was always racing and they came along. So that was never the case. The only connection to motorsport was that Formula One is on most of the German TV Sunday afternoon because it's always on at 2 p.m. And especially when I was young, it was Michael Schumacher racing. So (laughs) everyone just watched it like normal. But it was just from very far. And then as you mentioned the area, especially the area where I grew up in south of Germany, that's where um, Audi, Porsche, BMW, and Mercedes, they're all within like a uh, 200 kilometer radius. Mm, wow. And it's all the headquarters, and obviously all the suppliers yeah. as well, Bosch, yeah, wow. and everyone is there. Wow. So my dad itself, he's not directly in the automotive industry. He works with CNC machines. It's still kind oh, of engineering. Cool. Mm-hmm. And they making part for the automotive industry. But um, so you grew up around all the nice cars and all dads of friends, they work in there. Mm. And I think still that kind of just being around there helps a little bit. Mm. But for me still, when I was, even when I was a teenager and I knew I'm good in math and physics in school, I never felt like I really want to get in, the, in engineering. I always felt it's just, they're just men. It's big mm. um, factories. It's dirty. Yeah. Like, I didn't see myself there at all. And yeah. only, um, yeah, when I did an internship, then I realized. And, and that was another opportunity I had, obviously, because there's so many companies there. It's mm. easy to get a step into any of them um, because, obviously, they need some engineers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Then I realized, um, yeah, I want to work in the automotive industry. And then as well, I actually started to study, um, I think it's called industrial engineering in English. It's more like a mixture of mechanical engineering as well as management. Right, okay. Oh, yeah. And these usually you would work in a a position where the designers and the either the management or the purchasing or controllers would come together and you Mm. can kind of work in a position where you need to be across both or know how 
like processes work, but then on the other hand, have the technical knowledge. Mm. But then when I did an internship in one of these roles, I realized, yeah, actually, I want to do what engineers do, design the cars, mm. be, yeah. make the thing, develop things. And then I switched to automotive engineering. Right. And yeah, I was lucky we have in Germany, I think here they have it as well, I'm not sure. I mean, we have a engineer study, it's called automotive engineering. Okay. It's the, the base is mechanical engineering. Right. But then, um, yeah, you dive in straight into mm. automotive, like car body design, engine management. Wow. Um, yeah, electronics, and you choose your main choice mm. in that direction. And that's, that's a whole subject. Yeah, so I choose car body design. So I, you have like I think it was three years. You do all the basics, what every mechanical engineer I think would do, and then you Mm. choose your major in which Mm. direction you want to go, and then you're kind of ready to go straight into Mm. work as an engineer for Porsche when you're done. And they pick the people there because (laughs) they also influence obviously these um, themes and the direction what these students should learn because then they can uh, pick yeah. the engineer straight away from there. Mm. So did you intern before studying at uni and then like it so that that's when you started? Um, n- yes. So yeah, in Germany it's similar. I think here you have like this orientation week where you, need, where you do one week. Oh, uh, yeah. Or so while you're still in high school. Oh, cool. And, um, yeah, that's when I decided, oh, yeah, give engineering. And my dad was like, come on, you're good in this. Just <laughs> yeah, go yeah, for yeah. it. And then yeah. I thought, like, oh, yeah, it's a good compromise doing this industrial engineering because then I don't need to be with all the men. There's still, like, this management mm. and, yeah. and other area where I can jump onto if I don't want to be with all the men all the time. But then yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. came out, I actually want to go straight into the engineering side. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you did you actively pursue that internship? Like, did you just hear someone talk about it one day or someone just mentioned it somewhere or like, or did they approach you with that sort of no, thing? No, with that, in- the first internship before my uni, I actively looked for that. Mm. And then during uni, the, in- the internship would make me change to the other a subject to the in, automotive engineering. Right. That's the one you you could. No, I, even then you you there are a lot of opportunities there, but you still need to apply for that. Then. Mm. And yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, was that very competitive at all, or was it sort of just? Yeah, it always yeah. is. Even yeah, even yeah. though there are a lot of opportunities, it the automotive industry in Germany is very competitive yeah. and. And obviously, it's very traditional, old, not old school, because they're making cool technologies, but mm, it still yeah. is um, a very middle-dominated industry. And yeah, so you need to prove that you're good enough as well. Yeah, sure. yeah. And, and Germany being that country known for their engineering as well, I, yeah. I, I assume that the internships and stuff over there would be very, very competitive to get into and very difficult to get into. But yeah, yeah as long as you apply yourself and you do the right things. You, you yeah, can and I said they are, they are, they were... A lot of opportunities, but yeah, the cool ones, they are very competitive. And especially yeah. from the region where I'm from, there would people from the north come down for the, like, f- just for the internship, move there for half a mm, year because okay. that's the area where, where all the cool car companies yeah, are. Yeah, very competitive. Mm. Yeah. So that thesis that you did through Mercedes as mm-hmm. well and in university, was that was that, was that another thing you you, you chased up or, or what, yeah, what, so, what happened there? Yeah, so, okay, I... I yeah, let me take you a little bit back. So I, as I mentioned, I just took the major car body design. But in the end, I realized that's also not directly what I want to do because mm. it just, for me, was desi- sitting in front of a computer designing a, a part of the car. Yeah. And especially in mm. the big car companies, 
this you might actually never see that part. Well, you might see it, but you never see it how it gets put on the car, you yeah, know? Yeah. Because mm. there's so many parts and you're just responsible for a couple of things on this huge car. Yeah. So I'm like, well, actually, that's not what I want to do. I cannot just sit the whole day in front of the computer and design part. Mm, yeah. So I moved or looked for other opportunities and then f- moved into the area of um, engine calibration, engine management, which is was that opportunity came up with Mercedes AMG. So I worked on mm. the AMG engines. Right, okay. With my mm. thesis, yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what was your thesis about? Uh, it was so they called, now my English. Um, <laughs> so it, they developed an engine which um, just shuts off some of the cylinders when they're not needed. Okay. And I was responsible to make sure when they should be shut off or how long that it's physically doable because mm. when they shut off they get cold and they can be damaged when they ignite again yeah but then also it should never feel for the driver especially a person who drives an AMG that he lacks of power when he needs it yeah. and rather they just get shut off when he just grows along mm. um so i was responsible for um yeah putting it all together and making the logic behind all that. Right, okay, yeah. Because the, the AMG engine is, is eight-cylinder mm-hmm. as well. So right. when you saw the V8 supercars in Australia, were you like, oh, hey, I know I know that. I can work on that sort of thing. Uh, that yeah, that, well, yeah. yeah, kind of. Well, <laughs> AMG engines are known for being very powerful and then yeah. just what is powerful as well. Let's say. Yeah. yeah, just like powerful engines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, obviously you're in the performance analysis side of things. Was that... So you did you did that with your thesis. Was that always something you wanted to do? Like in high school, were you sort of just like, oh, I like the, how things run and how things perform and analyzing the data of how that occurs? Or was that just more of something you developed through uni? Or Yeah, um, yeah it came along the way. So the I think the base was that I was good in math and physics. And I enjoyed mm. math even looking, especially looking back now, you're just putting numbers together and don't even know why it's, you do that or what for. <laughs> yeah. Um, and probably because I enjoy that, that's why it makes even more sense to put numbers together and make sense yeah. out of it and say the engine is too hot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, or creating, yeah. like I mentioned, we have a lot of math channels to analyze the behavior of the mm. car where you don't just look at how high the car is from the track, but also then put the engine at a mm. tire pressure together with the temperature and all that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and it definitely came along the way. It was never like, oh, that job there, I want to do this. I didn't even know that exists, that job. Yeah, when I yeah. studied or when I was in high school, it was, um, yeah, it was a path yeah. which came along through high school and uni. Like I mentioned, I first went for car body design, decided, oh, just don't want to do design all the time. So mm. want to be more hands on. And then kind of from the hands on came also, oh, yeah, but I like numbers. So <laughs> Yeah, mm. it's sort of like all math, though, isn't it? At the start in high school, you're like, oh, I don't want to have to keep doing all these numbers all the time. And then as soon as you see the application for it, as soon, yeah. as, you, as, soon as you see it actually doing something, yeah. you're like, oh, wow, this is Yeah, and that's what I always say. It's the most yeah. intro- enjoyable part of my job that you yeah. right away get the result if you're um, – your work is good or not and and even even if you're not on the racetrack I'm here in the workshop creating a new math a new program for the car loading it into cars sitting in there playing with the dashs and the displays and see oh yep that's right or not that doesn't look like I wanted it to look and then you just work on it again so I 
Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool that you always have feedback of your work. Mm, for sure. Very yeah. important. It's always very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on this, like recognizing your position in such a, a niche engineering field, what's one of your favorite projects you've worked on or something that, so, like a really crazy opportunity that you've had that, that you can definitely pinpoint as something you've really, let's help like uh, develop your professional skills? Yeah. Um, probably two things to mention. Obviously, myself moving to Australia mm. was a pretty big one. Mm. Um, that came, that opportunity came along after I worked already five years in motorsport in Germany for the same team, pretty much, where I started my professional career with Mercedes. And, um, but after five years, I really wanted a change mm. just because I, I wanted to work in a different race series or with a different race car to expand my knowledge in motorsport. I wanted to move outside of Germany and there was obviously some opportunities in England because they are, uh, the motorsport industry is pretty big there. Mm. But, you know, England, Germany, same weather, rain, <laughs> You know, it's conditions. Not, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it actually I remember yeah. it. It was in a summer day, but it was yeah. raining, fifteen degrees Saturday. I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the past few months hasn't been great here either. Oh, uh, but you know, at <laughs> yeah. least you can come yeah. in shorts and t-shirt every day True. in Germany. Like wrap up everything. You get yeah. wet, you're cold. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity to come to Australia and work for Red Bull Holden. Oh, so at that time, they yeah they were Red Bull Holden Racing. Now we are Red Bull Ampel Racing. <laughs> <laughs> so how much of like your engineering knowledge did you have to change when you came to Australia? Like, was there much change there from from what you learned in Germany to what you adapted to here? Yeah, um, some of the job was similar, mm. but the team I came from in Germany was much bigger. So my I was, um, especially the last two years I worked there, I was um, responsible for all the tire engineering, tire data, tire analytics, mm. tire development. And then here I just did like everything which is on the car, which has a, um, a cable to it and produces a sensor or a signal. That was my responsibility as well yeah. as making sure the radio frequencies are right or I don't know, there was a lot. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I was expanded my knowledge a lot. Yeah, it's pretty what, good. Was there any like changes in procedures, like in terms of even just safety? I noticed that safety is a big importance in Germany. It also here is in Australia, but was there any change in that that regard? Um, mm, well, there's, no, there's some a lot of procedures are similar all motorsports. So when there is, you have. Um, especially when the race car is on a track, you have soft limits and hard limits on some of the stuff. So yep. if, for example, the engine temperature is over a certain uh, mm. temperature, it's a hard limit and it needs to stop the car mm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of similar how you go about all that. So no, that's... The, but then other procedures, because it's a smaller team, things are diff work different. It's... Um, easier to communicate throughout the whole company. Mm. Um, everyone knows each other better. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. So touching back on your own personal story again, so recognizing that like not every engineer succeeds without your own failures, what sort of hoops have you had to jump through in your career that have been really prominent or is something that you've come across that you've failed in once that looking back you could mitigate now and change? Because you mentioned before that in Germany obviously being like a male-dominated yeah, industry. Yeah, I don't that... want to highlight it too much because yeah. it's obviously always coming up. But it's, it's, that's what it is. So when, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. when you're 
when you are, well, that's what it was. And at my uni, I was the only woman there um, wow. that year. I just oh, well. graduated yeah. myself. Then there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's obviously a lot of, yeah, there is mm. a lot of perception. And especially the uni I was at, or where I studied at, um, it's very old school, very traditional. It's very known f for producing very good engineers in the automotive industry. Mm. But then also, yeah, all the professors are men. Yeah. And I always felt I cannot just be average. You know, there were a lot of students yeah. who just were just average. They just cruised along. They loved their mm. student life as well. But I always felt I need to perform. I need to show yeah. why that I'm here yeah. and that I have a place here. I could not just yeah. be average. And actually, I never failed an uh, exam in my whole student life. Oh, wow. So well yeah. I'm not just crazy, smart, or talented. I just yeah. worked hard yeah. for it. Yeah, and, and also just being proud of what you're doing as well, I think I think is also a really important thing. Some people just go, oh, I'll just get my uni degree and I'll just, I guess I'll pass and I'll get through. But being proud and being proactive and just yeah. being like, I want to I do well and I want to get good in, in what I'm doing. But I just realized that's what, what I needed to do. Otherwise, yeah. as a woman there, you wouldn't have last. Uh, yeah. yeah, and even, yeah. yeah, first, same story, first job, coming straight out of uni anyway, as a woman yeah. in a race team, yeah. yeah, you need to prove yourself, you need to make yeah. sure you're good, you're, you're better than probably a male would be, just that you earn your respect, but then once mm. you earned your respect, you accept that, obviously, mm. it's like yeah. a family, the motorsport um, company usually, so um, mm. that's not going like that all the time, but I think yeah. first half of year for sure, and you need to work hard yeah. and make sure you better than most of, or better than what they expect. Let's say just <laughs> like that. Yeah, because I think I think nowadays there's a lot there's a lot of weight on some girls' shoulders to perform and outperform and outdo themselves. And I think like previously there's sort of labels slapped on them, if if you know what I mean. Whereas nowadays it's it's definitely getting so much better. And mm -hmm. like we just had our engineering orientation week, and I'd say thirty to forty percent were women girls, yeah. and it's it's really good to see seeing that. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's very important to have a lot of women getting into the engineering and. Showing them what kind of engineering are out there, you know, it's not just mechanical engineering, big factories and big machine, but it's there's so many cool areas in engineering, yeah. which can get you in any direction you feel like if you want to go straight into uh, fluids and thermal and do this, or you mm. can do, yeah, uh, chemical, medical, so that, yeah, it's a yeah, yeah. wide range. You cannot yeah. just say engineering is, it's not that yeah. female. Yeah, yeah, yeah affected so yeah, yeah it's um yeah. definitely and it's good to see the change but more important is also to help or to guide or give them a direction these women not just to jump in and then but also just go through and get a career all the way to the top because obviously mm. that's yeah. a big issue now I mean we have more and more women coming into engineering compared to 20 years, but there's still not many on the top. Mm. So I think especially now we need to work on giving them a good way to progress their career within engineering as well. Mm. Yeah, okay. On that, um, what is, what's some advice that you would give to, to girls who are thinking of studying engineering, say they're in high school or something, or even you know um, women who are currently studying engineering? What is some advice you would give them to encourage them? Yeah, like... Um, to reach out to people in general who work in the industry, in, in any kind of engineering they might be interested, and talk to them to see if that's really what they think, what a job is like, or just, yeah, you need to 
get out there and see what people are doing, you know? Mm. Otherwise, you don't even know if that's something for you. Or like the same for me, I, then I said, oh, actually, I didn't want to do that. I want to do that. Mm. I think this is yeah. will help you a lot to push through your studies, but also never lose the goal out of sight. And like I said, there's some hurdles there. And not you, if you're a woman or a man, probably both ways. So, But mm. if you know that, you have a direction where you want to go, so that helps you pulling through it. So I think if you can make some connections to people working in the industry, reaching out to them, asking if you can come for a couple of days just mm. to see how everything works or even, yeah, have to do some work experience mm. internship, that helps a lot. Um, or, yeah, yeah if, if that's not possible, then just talk to them, give mm. them a call and say, I'm not sure if that's for me. Can you let me know yeah, what yeah. you're actually doing every day or, mm. you know, mm. like... I feel like nowadays it's, it's completely different because we have social media and we have digital media platforms. You can just watch a YouTube video and go, oh, that looks pretty interesting. Oh, that yeah. looks cool. You can look, watch a video on race engineering and go, whoa, I want to do that now. Mm. Or like, whereas previously you, you would only hear about it from word of mouth or mm. in the news or something like that. Like, especially like back in say the 60s and 70s, you know, space engineering everywhere, but you wouldn't know about the other fields of engineering yeah, and, and exactly. that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. that's something I'm, I'm actually also working for this project. It's called, I used to call uh, Dare to be Different now, merged with Girls on Track. And it's a program where we um, do events on the racetrack for girls between 8 and 14 of age. And we just show them what... Mm. I like throughout workshops, challenges, what kind of areas are in motorsport. Mm. It's like media. We have a fitness challenge. We have mechanical channels, STEM challenge and so on. Mm. And even that, if that would have been available when I was young, I yeah. probably would have known much earlier that actually this yeah. engineering stuff is pretty cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, and as you said, that mm. social media helps so much. And it's also easier to reach out to people. Um, yeah, just... Mm. Find them on LinkedIn, Instagram, mm. and reach out, and yeah. and that might help you get your guidance on where you want to go. Yeah, and, and a lot, lot more of those initiatives are now taking place, especially because people like yourself are getting into that field and recognizing and going, oh, I wish I had this when I was younger, mm. or I wish I had this when I was in university. Same thing with this podcast. Oh, I wish I had this when I was in first year, <laughs> or some, something like that. It's those initiatives that are that are going to get people further in that space, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we need more of, I, I, I feel anyway. Yeah, mm. agreed. Yeah, definitely. So for any university students that are looking to get into the racing engineering field or like just in the racing industry as a whole, what would you recommend to them? Like what, what sort of opportunities should they take? You said that before, maybe just ringing up a company and asking them what they're about or asking for experience what other sort of things would you recommend yeah um well you also need to just um have a proper chat with yourself and make sure that's the direction you want to go it mm. is demanding like time demanding obviously you're going to the racetrack depends on where you work but can be up to 20 weekends and it's not just the weekends you know it's like traveling usually we leave um here on um, either Wednesday or Thursday and you come back Sunday night or Monday mm. and a lot of times you not getting the day off sometimes you get a Monday then off mm. but a lot of times try it back into the workshop changing the car for the next rise mm. Are you willing to give up a lot of your um, free time, family, friends and stuff? Mm. Um, that's something from the other side I would recommend to just make you not just it looks cool when you're an engineer, but it you need to it comes with a lot of compromises mm. in your life. But if you're dedicated, yeah. that's that's fine, obviously. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, again, especially experience on the racetrack helps so much. So if you are able to reach out to a, even a small race team, not 
Obviously, mm. the supercar race team would be amazing. <laughs> Red oh, Bull. can I can I have a go on the weekend? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Red Bull Racing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But there are a lot of like hobby racers who mm. take their car out. Maybe you know someone in your friends within your friends or in your family, and yeah. just ask them, "Can I come along on the weekend and have a look?" Mm. And help. And then this helps you already putting in in your CV. And whenever then you would apply for an internship, then you say, "Oh, I've been there. I have been for four race weekends, and I looked after the tires." Mm. And yeah. even if it's just you made sure that they're clean and ready to go, you know, kind of. Um, but yeah. at least that helps so much. And yeah. Even in motorsports, um, when I started, I realized that a lot of the experience is worth so much. Like two years working in the motorsport industry, it's much more than another degree on top of mm -hmm. a PhD or whatever. Mm -hmm. So whenever you get the opportunity to be on the racetrack and work, even with a small team, if it's Formula Ford, if it's Super 2, if it's um, Toyota 86 development mm -hmm. series, anything you can get at the beginning is very good. Especially yeah. also because the motorsport industry in Australia is pretty small. So a lot mm. of everyone knows everyone. So mm. if you've been working with someone and they might help you to get uh, the entry into another team who then might sure. look for someone yeah. in the engineering. Even just washing cars on the weekend or something like that for the V8 cars yeah. or anything like that. Anything really. Hey. Yeah. 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 No, it's just yeah. important. You And you see, and then you realize as well again, is that something for me or not? Because, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so how, how can people find out more information about that? I guess, I guess like everything nowadays, you can just search on Google and yeah. look online. But like, are there any specific events that you hold for Red Bull Racing or anything like that that are introduced? Well, I, what I just mentioned, we do that. It's specific for the girls. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. We have the girls on track. There is one, two coming up in, well, in Queensland in, only in June. They are here yet yeah, at our workshop in Brisbane and then one at uh, QR Raceway. But for example, I will be next weekend in Phillip Island. We have a race um, event there for the girls. And it's just, you can go th through the website of Motorsport Australia and just um, sign up. They have the whole calendar. It's probably around 12, 13 events in all states. Um, that's obviously for girls, mm. example, but I believe there's similar stuff out there for everyone. Mm. So how do you stay focused? Because obviously it's a very, um, it can be quite stressful in some of the situations because you're, you know, you've got time, you've got time, time constraints all the time and you've got to, you know, get things done by a certain time. So what would you, you know, how do you stay focused and keep the ball rolling? Um, yeah, it is. Everything's time pressured. Mm -hmm. So, for example, this Friday, our truck with the race car and all the equipment would leave to go to the race in Tasmania because it takes a couple of days mm -hmm. to travel there. So you work back from there. And then we have the day before we we putting the cars on a setup scales, you know, and measuring all, all the the parts and the bits which are on there, making sure everything is right. Then the day before, the engine will come back from our engine supplier who um, who has inspected the engine. So it kind of you work back from that one date and then you have just like a to-do list mm. um, and everyone is on, on top of the other's job. So I mm. will know what the mechanics are doing exactly on, on each day and I know what I need to do that day because mm. on Friday, everything needs Friday afternoon, 4.30, 
Mm. Usually it's in the truck, everything mm. is closed, and that's that's what I get. And keeping being focused on the racetrack is actually pretty easy because you mm. kind of live in this bubble. You're away from home, mm. you're away from everything, and you work long hours. And you, it's like one after each other. You have practice, then you have another practice, then you have meeting. Then Very you have, scheduled. So yeah, mm. so it's um, sometimes I, you know, I fully forget what I need to do the next week. Like you're really in this zone you mm, yeah. for these three days, and and. It's um yeah. it's good as well because it keeps you focused on work yeah, yeah. and and then only like when I drive back or fly back then it's like, oh yeah I wanted to book my car in for inspection <laughs> oh, I should have done that before. just you know like you think like yeah, oh yeah, yeah I'm gonna call yeah but then only then realize I totally forgot about it yeah, the last yeah. four days yeah. all the Red Bull starts to wear off <laughs> <laughs> all the caffeine True. Yeah. <laughs> so just um just quickly as well. What are some important skills regarding leadership and communication that students need to start uh, developing now? Or what, what have you found that works really well when working in with a team of engineers to with, withhold? Yeah, um, especially communication is very important in a race team. So everyone needs to be across what's happening on the race car. Mm. If it's especially on the track, when, the, when a car... Um, is on the racetrack, for example, coming into the garage and want to do a change. So every person needs to know what they need to do. Um, if it's a tire guy, he needs to put more pressure in the car. The fuel guy needs to put fuel in the car. You know exactly need to know how much. So you need to mm. communicate very well to everyone. Everyone needs to know what's happening. And this is not, I mean, on the racetrack it's obvious, but this goes throughout the whole thing, what's happening in the workshop. Um, so... That's a mm. very important skill, mm. and, and it's it. Want to make a point of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's also obviously important to keep the team um, together in see that the goal and and what we're working towards too, because mm. there are long nights. Everyone is tired. Mm. You know, you, yeah. maybe the, the race driver crashed the car, but there's another race the next day, so mm. you need to put the the car back together, and yeah. you kind of. Disheartened, building that morale up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you need to have a strong community. Um, yeah, build keeping that team together. That that's uh, valuable as well. Yeah, yeah. On that communication, what have been some of your favorite races that you've had to work with in the past? Like any that you've gone, oh, I wish I could work with them again, or any, anyone like that. Um, so I worked five years with Jamie Winkup. Um, and he now just retired as a race driver. He's now my boss. He's the managing director of Triple Eight Race and Sharing now. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm still working with him. But uh, <laughs> we aligned very well. We think the same, like logically, strategically. So I really always enjoyed working with him. Yeah. Um, and let me think back to my work within Germany. Ah, oh, you know, there's some which are, that's what makes it so special as well. Mm. You need to work with race drivers, which are very, usually race drivers are very particular. Um, yeah. They have strong characters, you know, they have big ambitions. They have a lot of <laughs> pressure from um, from their sponsors and, mm. and, and yeah, yeah. obviously to perform as well. Mm. And especially back in Germany in, in that um, touring car championship I used to work, it it could be or it was usually a stepping stone into the Formula One. So you would have all these young race drivers, they all want to be a Formula One champion and, mm. they, they, and they want to show that they can do that. And they're like between 18 and 22 and they all think they will be the next <laughs> the right age for that then. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it you need to read them and work with them on their level like yeah and then they're all very different so mm. that's actually I like that part as well and I enjoyed always working 
with these younger drivers who are just developing their careers to read them, to help them, guide them in which areas they need to improve as well, like mm. off the track, on the track. It's also an interesting area in human in the human science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. It's a lot of psychology involved there as well. Right. Yeah, it always is, you know, yeah. and, and that... And even now, and even with the race drivers who are super smart, been in the business for so long, if you make a change to the car, which is the sign says, this is faster, this is better, but the race driver doesn't agree or doesn't think so, that won't go faster. You wow. need to, yeah, yeah we yeah, always yeah. say happy race drivers are fast race drivers. <laughs> <laughs> um, on an end note, uh, if you could solve one major engineering problem in the world, Right now, what do you think that would be and how do you think you would be at? Oh. Well, I thought about this question. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, even though I'm not working, I'm not in, in that industry directly, or, or it's not my main job, I think still yeah. anything around uh, climate change, sustainability and moving to renewable energy, mm. especially in Australia, would be mm. something I would love to help because... Um, would love to help get Australia on the same level what where Europe is at the moment. They Definitely. are big ahead. And mm. and um, we have everything here. It's like the perfect ground to make it happen. The sun yeah. shines <laughs> all the time. You have, yeah. for example, the big space where you can ha you have your house. You just put a mm. solar panel on. You can power your car there for free. Not, mm. not paying what's today two twenty on the fuel station, I saw. Mm, you yeah. know, um, yeah. Our, um, that's one thing, and it's very important. Too. Yeah. It's um, mm. yeah. As we saw all the disasters happening the last couple of years with floods, bushfire, yeah. it's all coming from there. Especially coming from Germany to Australia, it'd be a bit of an eye opener, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I, and I sent me, I did like something yeah, yeah. which is illegal. I would. Like when I see, even now, these trucks which just blow the black smoke out of it. Oh, yeah. I was filming this and no one can believe this is Australia. They think yeah, it's yeah. like maybe Congo, you know. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying it's yeah, worse yeah. there, but I don't want to discriminate. But yeah, yeah. Yep. I didn't expect it's so bad here still with yeah. Um, yeah, mm. these cars. Most of the cars in Australia would not be allowed in the road in Germany. Yeah. Maybe sometimes too strict already, but obviously they need to push yeah. for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's a different environment what um what experience do you have with electric cars and how how much have you have you had a lot of experience with them in the in your industry? uh no not in my industry so there's a race series in europe called formula e they just electric mm -hmm. cars it's pretty popular there are a lot of former formula one drivers driving there and it's yeah it's it's very popular it's on tv mm -hmm. it doesn't have a good uptake yet here because just there's no races in australia at the moment um, not in motorsport industry. I have my little side hustle with um, my friends. We we have a little startup called Will, which mm. um, just um, aims to make electric cars accessible for everyone in Australia because it's still, um, I feel like there's so much which could be done here. There's yeah. a big lack of knowledge and just people yeah. just doesn't know what, where can I charge, can I plug an electric car straight into yeah. The wall, what do yeah. I need for it? And a lot and of just, stigma surrounding them as yeah, well, yeah, especially yeah. in Australia where people love traveling long distances. And everyone always asks that question in Australia, if you have an electric vehicle, how can you drive out west or how can yeah, you drive yeah. from there to there because it's such a sparse country. Yeah, and yeah, yeah there's um, yeah, just um, 
and they hear people think, oh, that's just Tesla and that's it. But yeah. there's, ah, there's so many electric cars. It's definitely now. growing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, that's mm, my yeah. knowledge I have on electric cars. So it's not where, yeah, just um, started up in yeah, that yeah. industry and and gain my experience there. But I yeah. think it's something very interesting. And mm. like I said, Australia is a, has a the base for it, definitely, that uh, we can go all electric one day. Mm, yeah. Hopefully. Step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Romy, thank you so, so, so much for coming on the podcast yeah, today. We really, really yeah, appreciate it. Thank you it. so much for having me. And, um, yeah, if you're interested, yeah, just keep an eye out for any Red Bull events and stuff that might be coming up. You might even be able to meet Romy at some of those events or, yeah, yeah who knows? So, just keep an eye out as well for the Women on Track, Girls on Track. Girls on Track. Girls on, girls on, track. Girls on track, track as well. Through the um, Motorsport Australia um, website, you can find out. Awesome. No worries. Thanks so much for Thanks listening. So much. Thank you. And with all that said, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to share this with your mates or colleagues who also might benefit from these discussions as well. And um, yeah, if you can, just leave an honest review or rating on your preferred podcast platform. So with all that said, you've been listening to the Engineering Buzzcast with your hosts, Jacob Primus and Daniel Hardy. And until next time, see you in the next episode. See you in the next episode. See ya. The top job is that of the engineer. This requires a great amount of ability and training in mathematics. And you should have some courses. In